Hello and welcome to another episode of the Menswear Style Podcast with me, your host, Pete Brooker. On this week's episode, we're going to be talking about the tuxedo. We'll be exploring its heritage as we speak to Simon Cundy, manager and owner of the tailoring company that invented the dinner jacket, Henry Poole. I'm the fifth generation, that's right, if you, and then we're cousins to the Cumbie, so that would be seventh in, in the family business. Right. Um, and I have a son who's Henry and Jamie, but Henry would make it Henry VIII, <laughs> which was uh, a very daunting name to have. <laughs> Simon Cundy there from Henry Poole, and if you head over to henrypool.com, that's Henry Poole with a knee, you'll find a little bit about the history on the About section of not only the tailors, but the actual tuxedo itself. I'm just going to peel a little bit off for you here because it's quite interesting. In 1865, the Prince of Wales and future King Edward VII, known to his family and inmates as Bertie, asked his tailor and friend Henry Poole to cut a short celestial blue evening coat to be worn at informal dinners at Sandringham. No earlier reference to any similar garment has been found in the historic Henry Poole and Co. ledgers, which date back to 1846, or the surviving ledgers of any other tailor or period illustration. This royal evening coat was the blueprint for what we... Are you going to talk to me or not? Oops, sorry, I forgot to introduce my guest in the studio this week. I'm also joined by writer Melvin Newdow, a man who prides himself on only wearing the finest dinner jackets available to humanity. Are you waiting for me to say something? Yes, Melvin, you've seen the Henry Poole collection. I believe you own a few of their dinner jackets. What do you think of their tailoring? I have to say they did a good job. Of course. We're also going to be talking to Gresham Blake, tailor to the stars and creator of the Dimbleby Ties, although I'm quite sure he'll hate that title. We talk tuxedos and fitness. Yeah, it's fine. I've, I've, I've just, you know, I've just been, I left London at six this morning. I got in an hour ago and I've just done an hour. I forgot my personal trainer was coming round. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so if I, if I seem a little bit worn out, it's because I am. The inimitable Gresham Blake coming up later in the podcast. Melvin, I know you have a couple of Gresham Blake dinner jackets, so do you have anything to say to Gresham? I'm not a prick. You are not judging. I'm a great customer. We're also going to be speaking to dandy tailor Joshua Kane about how he interprets the tuxedo and his work ethic. Cool. Joshua, you're open seven days a week, is that right? Uh, eight days a week. Eight day- <laughs> <laughs> I say I have, uh, I, have, uh, I have four different job titles here, just, uh, just before lunchtime. Joshua Kane coming up shortly. Melvin, I have a Joshua Kane sample here. What do you make of the Joshua Kane style dinner jacket? Would you wear this? No, I'm not putting that on. And in case you were going to ask, I'm also not going to let you inject me with the Play. Not your style. Fair play. Before we crack on with the podcast, a little bit of housekeeping. If you're not there already, head over to the website at www.menswearstyle.co.uk. There you'll find all the reviews, interviews and competitions. Follow us on the social at Menswear Style and make sure you subscribe to us in iTunes. Simply pop Menswear Style Podcast into the search bar. And if you like what you hear, leave us a lovely five-star review. That would help us get up the chart and keep me in bread. Lastly, if you have a suggestion or question for us here, or you'd like to be featured on the show, then you can get hold of me by email, peter at menswearstyle.co.uk. Okay, that's done. And now on with the show. Are you ready for this one, Melvin? Think white and get serious. Here is that interview with Simon Cundy, manager and owner of Henry Pool. On the podcast now, I'm joined by Simon Cundy, managing director and owner of henrypool.com. How are you doing today, Simon? I'm very well, thank you, on this fine 
fresh morning, shall Excellent. we say. Yes. Uh, how's the traffic out there? It was a nightmare on Monday. <laughs> it was pretty much this morning. We were, obviously, I travelled in from the south, so our dear friends from the rail aren't giving me uh, much grief these days, I must say, as I'm uh, on a scooter these days. <laughs> Excellent. Probably the best thing. Well, um, if I can crack on into it, Simon... Uh, Henry Poole is often regarded as the the company that invented the tuxedo. Is that a fair statement? It is indeed a fair statement. Um, we were blessed with uh, a moment in time, really, uh, and a character by the name of um, Henry Poole. His father was James Poole, who was more of a cloth merchant, but it was Henry that became very much the sort of dandy tailor of the era that um, had two poignant people that really made a historical points of uh, dress at that point. One was Napoleon III, who was obviously presiding here in the London, uh, and the other was uh, Edward VII, right. the great prince, dandy prince then, of uh, eldest son of Queen Victoria. Fantastic. And um, what's it like to carry around that weight of that tag? Is it, is it something you're <laughs> immensely proud of, or is, it, or is there a pressure that comes with it? Oh, I think there's always a pressure. I think when you when you take on such a, a steam company, you you sort of it's under your watch and your helm at that point. But as I say, we're lucky enough that, that much the same thing that Paul's has always put back into the business, the quality, the 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 sort of apprenticeship schemes that we maintain uh, through the generations. So, uh, being in the Cundy family, uh, that obviously was passed on by a cousin of. Uh, Henry Poole, um, we still very much involve ourselves with the next generation cutters, coat makers um, in the building here. Right. Um, reading on your website, so you're the fifth generation, is that correct? You and your father, Angus? I'm the fifth generation, that's right. If you, and then we're cousins to the Cundy, so that would be seventh in, in the family business. Right. Um, and I have a son who's Henry and Jamie, but Henry would make it Henry VIII, <laughs> which was uh, a very daunting name to have. <laughs> well, especially if he's got um, quite a few girlfriends. I mean, they must be looking <laughs> over his shoulder as well. That's right, that's right. <laughs> so uh, did you ever think there was anything else for you in terms of fate, in terms of careers, or was it always going to be this? Well, I was a, a young, sort of, you know, rather, uh, how to say, arrogant little upstart at 16. I never really had much thought of being in the business, but I must admit, it was actually in my summer job. I worked for the great Ferragamo family um, with the shoe business and um, learned the business in my summer holidays, earning a bit of pocket money, um, that, you know, it was a quite service industry and a great way to, to work with people and, and to give them a service. And and I realized that a lot of the female customers um, that they had were, in fact, the husbands were customers of Henry Poole. So that was quite something. And then I thought about it and uh, did my time at London College of Fashion, mm. uh, doing my uh, cutting course and uh, making course. Uh, and then went out to the textile world and worked up in Huddersfield uh, where the great worsted cloths are made, uh, Taylor and Lodge, um, to name but a few up there. But... Um, then I really enjoyed it. I must say that was the, that was the point where you you see something made, you see see something going out the door, and, and everyone is you know more than happy with the finished product. Right. Uh, what's it like? Sorry, we'll get back into the tuxedos in a minute. I'm just curious to know what it's like growing up around a family that I, I assume are immaculately dressed that do <laughs> nothing but talk about tuxedos and suits and the the dandy elements of life. So I'm guessing that was hardwired into you and, and it was maybe a lateral move to go this way yes i mean uh, i do dress up i don't often you know people who know me don't often see me hanging around in you know sort of jogging pants and things like that that's for sure um and i certainly you know when i travel i tend to dress up versus be you know sort of in in uh, in a sort of 
those uh, changing gym jams they have on the plane. Um, but yes, that, that, and very much, you know, go to dinner parties and, and uh, events with black tie. Uh, and I, I do have a couple myself I, I wear. Uh, even having a smoking jacket is very nice too. Oh, fantastic. Getting on to the tuxedo, please. Um, mm. the, uh, what is typically the, the things that people ask for when they come into Henry Pool and they ask for a tuxedo? And, and how, do you, how does the conversation start? Well, I think the first thing is we, you know, um, we evaluate the sort of what they want from a tuxedo, when they want to wear it, how they want to wear it, temperature-wise, what climate they come from. So some people come from hot climates, such as you know the summer months of Singapore or, or Hong Kong or uh, you know California, and some people come from some colder climates, such as Chicago or New York, or you know, and they have to wear for that. So climate's the first part of what you have to be expecting to wear the dinner suit, or perhaps something for both temperatures so medium to weight uh, is a choice of fabric the big part for us of course historically with Edward the seventh we made him a midnight blue so midnight blue is a very much more the traditional cloth in our world um, rather than black the reason is it tends to look better in the in the evening light than the black itself it can look a bit dusty gray in the black and it complements the uh, the silk lining um, or the silk facing uh, together better than uh, than being in black um so that's the first thing we, we go through and then obviously style wise pools was a very much the sort of peak lapel button one uh, jetted pockets no vented it was all about the silhouette in those days mm. it was to flaunt the male figure so really shouldn't have hip pockets in the trousers uh, no vented uh, a very slim sort of fit right and has that been modernized at all in terms of uh, do, do you kind of bend the rules a little bit now or is that always the way you try and usher your clients well, I think I think with Paul, it's it's we've always adhered to um, you know what customer wants really we're in balance. That's what we we've, we've stuck to. We we work the sort of size of the customer out um, and put it in things in proportion. Fashion can change, obviously, width of lapels, width of shoulders, length of coats. So we don't absolutely follow fashion, mm. but we don't less don't sort of you know uh, have our own set style here at Paul. And that's what's lovely is that the customers we work with them, and ultimately we give you always something that is going to last a longer a legacy for yourself as well. So, you know, as one does with a Patek Philippe, it's a passed on or it's introduced, and that's how Paul works. is very much generation to generation. It's a very much iconic piece. Mm. Um, so we, we actually listen to the customer a bit and, and work together with him on that. Okay. Excellent. And uh, out of curiosity, Simon, how many tuxedos do you have in your wardrobe? No, I certainly have probably two. I have two tuxedos and a smoking jacket. Smoking that also jacket. is in a midnight blue as well. So, you know, you, you can obviously, if the black tie is stated on your invitation and it's quite strict, well, yes, formally it is very much the black tie. There's little rules and regs that you should have, um, mm-hmm. you know, black tie, uh, perhaps black onyx studs, uh, mother of pearl, uh, you know, for for white dress. Uh, if you're wearing sort of you know silver watch, discreet watches, then then you wear silver cufflinks. Um, you know, it's, it's that sort of thing that you marry together. If it's gold watch, wear gold cufflinks. It's it's the balance of really putting it together, really, and it's, yeah. it is the epitome of men's best dress, really. I mean, there's no other suit today that really iconically gives the the men the most elegant look and whether it be the BAFTAs or the Oscars um, Mm. you know there's nothing better than seeing someone in a well-fitted dinner suit you know the ladies make a big effort Uh, the gentlemen should be the same yeah Uh, well um, if everyone well I suggest everyone goes and checks you out for the for the uninitiated. Certainly, it's Henry Pool with an e dot com, and plus, if you go to the about us section, there's lovely videos of the behind the scenes and the history is all on the website. 
as well, which is fascinating. So, um, well, thank you, Simon. Thanks for taking the time out. Uh, just lastly, I'm I'm curious to know what your actual day is like. Do you you know get up at the crack of whatever and and come into the office, or is there something that you do before you get into London? Uh, well, I I do uh, have a sort of uh, club I belong to, one of the old clubs in St James's, which is, has a rather nice swimming pool. So I go for a swim there uh, sometimes in the evening. But my day starts reasonably reasonable time. But my, I must admit, my, most of my customers are American, so I have to stay here till sort of six, seven in the evening because obviously uh, ah. the way they wake up, uh, they obviously call me up and or email me exchanges. So it's a sort of um, a uh, reasonable start of the day, but a long day to finish. And uh, But um, you, that's something you get used to. Interesting. And so your American customers will obviously phone up and give measurements, and then you have to do stuff over the phone and then ship them out. Is that how it works? It's spot on. It's yeah. a very much a sort of chase-up scenario, follow-up, right. uh, taking order by the phone, going through the details with them, You know, maybe emails, exchanges backwards and forwards. And that's that's how it works, really. And we do trunk shows. The, the the joy, of course, is that is we actually move the mountain to Mohammed, where we basically take the suits out to various cities across the world in one big trunk or two or three big trunks and uh, obviously fit the customers in hotels. So we travel in the States, mm. we travel in Europe, and we also travel out uh, to Japan and uh, Beijing, Hong Kong. So mm. there's a chance for the customers to be fitted across the world as well with all items made here in Savile Row. Fantastic. And is the Tuxedo Park Club still there in north of the New York City? Well, yes, that, that's still there. We actually celebrated uh, a lovely event uh, on, in, uh, uh, celebrating in 1865 with um, 100 years of the um, uh, 2005. We celebrated uh, the tuxedo at the Tuxedo Park. And it was a, I had a privilege to meet uh, Mrs. Potter. The, the, I think she was, what, the third or fourth generation uh, since the Potter that obviously oh, wow. came to Henry Poole. So well, the Potters maybe. are still there. Uh, the Lorillards are not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but obviously, we dressed about uh, four or five of the uh, original founders of Tuxedo Park, and it's still a, a beautiful club uh, um, outside of New York. Wow, that must have been... Uh, that's one for the scrapbook, certainly. Yes. Uh, well, thank you, Simon. Uh, like I say, if everyone wants to jump over to henrypool.com or come down personally to see you in Savile Row, is it uh, 15 Savile Row? Number 15 Savile Row, yes. The website is very easy to get hold of, and... Uh, we also have a wonderful Hall of Fame. Do a look at our Hall of Fame. Every week we put on some of the greatest uh, clients with a little bit of their history, uh, telling the story about how they uh, came to Paul and what they did in their lives. It's the most enchanting uh, piece of history. It's called the Hall of Fame on the website. Simon Cundy there. And now we're going to be talking to Gresham Blake. Gresham's back on the show. He was on the very first show, the inaugural episode of the Men's Wear Style podcast. And once again, if you go back through the archives, subscribe in iTunes, you'll be able to find all those episodes there. I take it you've subscribed in iTunes, Melvin? As long as you keep your work zipped up around me, I don't give a rat crap what or where you shove your show. Understood. But without any further ado, here's that interview with Brighton and London Taylor, Gresham Blake. I'd like to introduce to the podcast now Gresham Blake, one of the one of the best tailors in London and Brighton. How are you doing today, Gresham? Oh, um, that's very kind of you. I'm, I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you, Peter? Oh, I'm splendid. So, Gresham, uh, could Good. you um, that this week we're talking about tuxes, tuxedos. Uh, this okay. is something that obviously that you're going to have a little bit of expertise in. How often do you get asked to make a tuxedo or a dinner jacket, especially? Um. Yeah, we, we we do we do we we don't probably don't do as many as you'd think, but we 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 do do a lot. People, my customers tend to want something a little bit different than just a tuxedo. So they'll come in and they'll say, "I've got a tuxedo. 
I've got an evening do to go to or a Christmas ball or whatever. Um, but I just want something a little bit different, mm. you know. So I think I think my customers and maybe a lot of other people's customers, when they sit around one of those sort of strange tables of eight people, you know, those dinner things you have to go to, yeah. <laughs> you know, and there's lots of little tables. Everyone's sort of wearing a black tuxedo, aren't they? And, you know, the lights aren't on, the lights aren't on very much, are they? Because the rooms are always dimmed and sort of everybody sort of looks the same almost. You know, you can't even tell if they all fit properly or not because it's all too dark. So I think people want something. My customers want something that's a little bit jazzy, I suppose, for want of a better word. And how can you offer that jazziness? How can you put your twist well, and your impression on it? Um, we do because we've been um, weaving our own silk jacquards at the moment which make um, really nice um, lapels for satin lapels. Yes. So we, we've had some woven with skulls on them. Um, one with, like, We've just done one with lots of graffiti. Okay. So it looks really good. So when the light catches it, it just looks really, you know, you can really see this sort of pattern in it. Um, and some people have the whole jackets made out of it. But what we're doing a lot of at the moment is people are doing trues. So people having a tartan trouser. Oh, okay. With like cool. a black jacket. And we, we do a lot of that. I mean, maybe I would say 80% of the evening suits that we do for dinner parties will have a, a tartan trouser with it. Right, okay. And, and when lot. did that come into vogue or has it always been in vogue? I don't know. We just seem to be, I mean, we, we do a, 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 we've sold a tartan trouser uh, in store for maybe the last five years. And we, they just sell out constantly. They're really popular. And I think it's sort of, it, it's funny because when, when I wore mine at uh, New Year's Eve, someone said, you you sort of look really cool, but you look very slight 70s-ish. <laughs> <laughs> With a little bit sort of like a 70s game host, but still cool. That's which cool. Which I quite like. Yeah, yeah. I think so, yeah. The 70s, are, you, know, they, they, you, you know, there's a lot of it about at the moment. Yeah. And I'm... it's sort of, you know, you've got these tartan trousers. They, they weren't a very bright tartan. Actually, mm. they were actually. Um, you know, I had black patent shoes. I like a, uh, you know, a double-breasted DJ, you know, and then like a shirt that's got a bit of pattern on it or something. I will, I will send you a picture. Please do. Yeah, we'll put it <laughs> but, in the show um, notes. Yeah, okay. But it's, it's, it's you know, and... I, you know, quite a big bow tie. I don't normally wear bow ties, but it seemed to work. Unfortunately, my stomach after Christmas is maybe three inches too big to successfully wear a cummerband. But you see in the picture, I am trying. <laughs> You're forcing it on. I'm kind of yeah, imagining and, and with I... everything you said, uh, some kind of an amalgamation of a Henry Kelly suit from Going for Gold. There's an element of that in there. But, you know, I, 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 I think if you're going out to a party... I personally, if I'm going out for a party, I want to look like dressed like I'm on the fun side. It's mm. if I'm going to the party to enjoy it, rather than just sort of putting a DJ on a, 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 that's very sort of like uh, maybe traditional with a bow tie and a stiff bib. You mm. know, you sort of you're going to the party already. Yeah. Sort of feeling constrained, you know, and you want to let go a little bit, don't you? You well, know, so. Well, in, in doing this. Um podcast and researching it and talking to another couple of people about tuxedos it feels like the tuxedo is almost in a bit of a quandary because like you say there is a lot of tradition with tuxedos and if you go to say like the oscars or you view some of an award ceremony everyone has the very traditional tuxedo um yeah maybe that's because of the field that it's in whereas if you go to some kind of football ceremony that you'll have lionel messi in a completely yeah, luminous red yeah, tuxedo 
there, there, but there's an element there. We dressed Steve Coogan for when he was nominated for the Oscars. Ah. And he wanted a really quite a fun thing. And then the brief came from the Oscars. Actually, you can't. You, it's got to be if you're going if you're up for award. It's got to be quite sort of traditional. So we did a midnight blue. So I don't remember. Maybe four years ago, there's quite a lot of midnight blue tuxedos about. Right. So we did a mid. But what we did, well, I printed on inside of the pocket, inside of the line, we we printed a huge Oscar in it and a pocket. And an arrow that said Oscar in here. But, um, <laughs> he was he was nominated, but alas, didn't win it. Oh, what did he get <laughs> so, nominated? So was the, it Philomena? Yes, yeah, yeah. best film. He had four nominations around around that film. Brilliant film. But uh, alas, he didn't. But you know, hey. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, they they, go, they but, don't get it yeah. right all the time. So um, no. But with the actual tuxedo as well, and how you mentioned about how people want to have a bit of personality when they go to parties and they want to stand out. You know, we have people nowadays that are called all sorts of weird names just to get them higher up in Google. So you had that side of it with people needing that individuality. And then you also have the constraints and rigmarole of, say, the Oscars party that are telling you, no, you can't fit into this little square shape. Yeah, yeah, totally. But I think, you know, if 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 you do have to sort of well, you know, wear a black tuxedo with a satin lapel. I think um, what, what I can't stand personally is winged collars. Right. I, I don't like a winged collar. I'd much rather a bow tie was with a classic collar. But, you know, I think um, I think some Tom Ford was styling some people a while back, uh, uh, along with myself. I'll put myself in the same bracket, dare I? And uh, um, just to wear a tie rather than a bow tie. Right. You know, because I think, I think that looks really smart, you know, because a bow tie can can make you look a bit dated i think or a little bit sort of not really down with the kids <laughs> yeah you don't <laughs> you ever want to be put in that bracket that's <laughs> no, yeah so so i think sometimes it can look really really nice with a with, with a tie but um i think it's the, the wing collars i've got an issue with i don't mind a bow tie myself but i'd much rather it was just with a nice classic collar i'm also wondering um i heard in Maybe I digress a little, but I heard in uh, the paper today, or read in the paper, that only about one in a million people actually knows what goes on inside an iPhone um, in terms of the gubbins, how it's all put together. I would say yeah. that that's about the same ballpark number of people knowing how to tie a bow tie. Yes, I think so. Well, what I love about tying a bow tie is the instructions. <laughs> you, I think you get eight pictures, don't you, or six pictures, and the first seven are really easy to follow yeah <laughs> and then suddenly it's made isn't it and you're yeah. like well what happens in between that that bit and that last one yeah i mean i'm all right at tying a bow tie all my staff can in fact just in at the, the end of november there's a big wedding at brighton pavilion mm. um and uh the whole wedding party came in the shop because none of them could tie a bow, bow, uh, tie, a bow tie oh wow <laughs> so amazing I'm, I'm, um, uh, the DDC, one of my head tailors, just that they all, there's about seven of them and they all like walked in and he did all their bow ties for them and then ran back down to the pavilion. <laughs> <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't think it through. They just all presumed that someone yeah. else would know. Yeah, I think that's the same thing when you like, I mean, get a flat tire or something. You go, well, someone in the car must know how to change this damn thing. Huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but just, yeah. But, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I think... Do you, do you know what? I've, I have customers. In fact, my wife is great at upselling this. She'll sell them a pre-made and then say, look, when you get a bit tired, buy the um, um, the unmade one. You can hang it around your neck and people will think oh, you've had it pre-made. That is. People, people think you've made it yourself. So she sells them two bow ties. Look, I've heard of some upselling in my time, but that is probably yeah, the best. But I- 
<laughs> she's good at that as well. But but to 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 us folks, we can we can uh, you know you can normally tell if it's a uh, yeah if it's pre-tied or not. I've got no problems with a pre-tied bow tie. You know, some Puritans might, but it but it actually can look good, won't can't it? Sometimes when you're around the table and the cigars come out, and there's a couple of guys that have got their bow ties untied hanging around their neck. Oh, it looks you super. Know, especially like on a white on a white tux or something. I, I quite like that look. It's sort of. It's quite cool, isn't it? It's super you know, cool. It's like, uh, yeah. Maybe with a cut above the eye as well, just to make it look like we've been in some kind of tussle. I think that's yes, a sexy yeah, look. yeah. I, li- I like that. Yeah, that, that that that's good styling. You see, <laughs> I can if I if I tried to do that with my tartan trousers and my loud shirt and gold cummerband I was wearing, I'd have just looked mental. <laughs> <laughs> you would have been thrown out of it your might own not party. Work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Gresham. Um, just quickly, could you just tell us a little bit, please, about what I've seen on your website recently about Murder at Ridgeview and the collection that you've got coming out? Oh, Murder at Ridgeview. See, this, this is this is this is good. I've um, do, do you know, I've, I've I've had enough of doing photo shoots, um, in the sense because you can't do that much with them. No magazines will take them anymore because it upsets the advertisers, you know. So it, it's it's difficult to get stuff around. So I, I don't mean the, the, the novelist Peter James, who's probably one of our top novelists in the country. I said to him, I said, I'm doing a photo shoot at Ridgeview Wine. Mm. I said, can you write me a 12 word, a 12 sentence murder mystery? And then I'll do a photo shoot based around the 12 sentences. So 12 photographs. Oh, cool. And so he, he, so he agreed to do it. Um, and then uh, we, we needed somebody to, uh, we did a video of it. So Ray Winston agreed to be in the video. Oh, so, so we've done well, a movie. It's a movie, not a video. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we've done this mini, mini sort of like 10 minute movie around it as well. And a photo shoot for the book. And it's the story of um, this very unpleasant uh, wine critic from London who uh, <laughs> reaches a, 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 a sticky end. Um, but, but Peter managed to have four, 12 sentences with four murders. Oh wow! How does he do that? He's okay. He's because he's because he's uh, very cause he, good. Yeah, because that's why he gets the big bucks, I guess. That's why he's an. I think he's just 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 he sold about eighteen million books, I think, so far. So he's obviously got something right. Yeah, but it's just a, what, what's nice about it, though. He gets something out of it. It introduces a different readership. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we get something out of it. Ridgeview, the the wine uh company get get something out of it and then we're all sort of local you know we all know each other mm. so it's that sort of really nice collaboration yeah you know? we were doing another collaboration at the moment we we're uh, we've just written a, a pop pop song uh with <laughs> a, a couple of like really young kiddies that are in the charts at the moment i can't go into too much detail because it's not sure. announced yet right but again it's it's we're doing a pop video for our autumn winter 17 collection so it's just about I'm, I'm really into collaborating with people. Yeah. It just gets the message to a wider audience because sort of print's a bit... I wouldn't say print's dead. That's not fair, but it's not... It's not uh, It's not what it was, is it? You, you know, I, I, I can't imagine that. Not as many people yeah. buy magazines and things. And it's very difficult. I it mean, I, I had a big article in GQ about me a few years ago hmm. and uh, um, they had a few people complaining about it because they're saying, well, you've just given him an article... Mm. right next to me paying some x amount of money for an advert you know and i i, I understand that mm. <laughs> you know but it means if you do a great photo shoot yeah these well, days no one's just going to take it off you you know but maybe you know 10 years ago they would have done uh, uh, in no no way at all am i criticizing any magazine mm. everyone's got to make money and, and make a business it's just that the way the way it is mm-hmm. but we've anyway we've just got to 
So this spring summer is actually going to be a book, you know, and people will be able to buy it, etc. You know, and we can send copies to people and things. So I'll, I'll, I'll obviously send you send you a, a oh, pile to give out if you like. So. You're a, well. I mean, I wasn't going to beg, but thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> I would have begged actually. I'll, I'll get I'll get one signed by Ray and Peter for you as well. Oh, you absolute hero! It'd be, it'd be, it'd be worth so much money. When can we uh, <laughs> When can we see the film, or where can we see the film? The film. We only just Ray's been in um, Vancouver, and he, he got back just before Christmas. We did. We've actually filmed it on Christmas Eve, right? Um, which is very <laughs> so. Um, uh, it's pro- we're editing it, finishing editing it Monday of Tuesday of next week. So it sh- and we've just got to put the music to it. So it should be finished end of January. Fantastic. All right. Okay. So, um, I'll, I'll yeah. look out for it then. And yeah, everyone okay. else should. In the meantime, for suits and everything else, go and. Ties as well. See, Dimbleby's rocking the ties every other question he's, time. So he's just, he just, he just loves. Do, do you know what? Our biggest selling tie, because when you know it's Brexit this year, mm. he, he, was, he always wears our, our ties. And, he, you know, the he was wearing a tie with a pink shark on it. Yeah. I yeah. think we got over 900 pre-orders of it, like overnight. <laughs> well. So, so, so Brexit was, was good for me in a weird way. Not yeah. a, a Brexiteer. <laughs> yeah, what kind of that's a weird behind the back nod towards how good Brexit can be in, in crazy circumstances. But it's yes, a, it's a yeah, winning tie, but... and uh, thank God he's championing it because it's, uh, it's a yes, good look. Yes, yeah, he's a good man. He's a, he's, a, he's a gentleman. Does he even know, by the way? Does he? What, As it, um, in terms of in terms of like how how much of a success the ties are becoming behind his back? Um, well, it's. About a year ago, it was actually asked on question time. You know that, that funny question at the end? Someone said, where'd you get your ties from? Uh, and I thought, he'll never answer that on the BBC. Yeah. And he said, Gresham Blake from Brighton. Oh, ding And dog. I spoke to him about it because he always pays for his ties because well, I can't give them to him because it, obviously he works for the BBC. And you're not allowed to endorse, you know, they can't endorse product. Yeah. But he said so many people had asked him where he gets his ties from that it was actually deemed public interest. So that's why they huh. let the question go, because it's the most commonly asked question on question time. Oh, that is <laughs> outstanding. Oh, my God. What... So, 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 it's, yeah, so, so it's good. So he knows. I'm, I'm always knows. trying to give him ties. Always, because he's good for me. But he said, look, Gresham, I just like your ties. I have to pay for them. You know, and I'm like, fine. <laughs> you know, oh, I, yeah. I imagine there must be some kind of mafioso. You're slipping like a, a, a blank check in between the tie, you know, as you hand it over the counter, <laughs> yeah. nodding a wink and he's yeah, out the door. I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I think if he knew I was making too much, too much out, then the BBC might stop him. But, but you know, you don't know, do you? Yeah. I mean, Christian wears my ties as well on Channel 4. Um, oh, yeah. we, we, he, he, we always do well with him as well so. well he does well he wears, because he, he angers people and they walk out of interviews so I bet that gets that gets global attention yes that was great that wasn't it yeah yeah <laughs> I like Christian I remember seeing him in an interview the other day well last year where he was talking about some refugees and they was climbing out of this boat <laughs> and this guy fell over and dropped his baby in the water oh. so Christian just bends drops his microphone and goes and picks it up Oh. And then people were criticising him, saying he's there to report the news, not make the news. Oh, and I'm man. thinking, what, you're supposed to stand and watch a baby float away in the sea. <laughs> <laughs> it was weird, but he does like to get himself involved. I like. I, I think that. he's brilliant. I grew up with him on Newsround um, when I was really young. So, you know, right, you'd have that yeah, little, gosh, yeah. that kind of five-minute bit of news after blue peter or yeah. just after some kind yeah. of weird kids yeah. program and everyone would just kind of turn off because no one gives a fuck about the news when you're 12 yeah. 13 yeah. um but so yeah that was 
uh, me yeah, growing up good, with him. Yeah. And when he was yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a gent. He's, he's brilliant. And when he was interviewing um, Robert Downey Jr., he was asking perfectly legitimate questions. Uh, the same with Tarantino. He's, he's a journalist. He's, he's going to sit down. I think so and as for well, a, yeah. If you're going to talk about 10 to 15 minutes about a particular subject, you're allowed to ask about somebody's career and what's happened in between. I, you know, I mean, I, I, I agree. If these guys are just going to sit there to promote their film, why don't they just read off a script exactly. so everyone can hear what they're saying and not waste everybody's time going to interview them yeah you know people want, want to know real stuff and they didn't have to actually directly answer what he was asking if they didn't want to but they could have sort of you know said something or explain why they didn't want to speak about it or you know say something yeah you know what's the point of getting journalists there exactly it's well, strange I did sympathise with him I thought he was just doing a really good job <laughs> um, yeah and yeah, he got the, yeah. got the column inches for the wrong reasons um, I've, yeah, I've gone yeah. slightly off piste uh, Gresham thanks okay. for jumping on um, just lastly no before you go uh, you yeah. were talking about a suit that you were making about a guy who wanted uh, wine rings made out of cork so you had like uh, if you put a glass of yes. wine down you'd have rings around on a, on a cardboard yeah, suit yeah, how's yeah, that we're going so we're, 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 well we actually we got, we got some of the um, uh, cork through gosh that was a while back wasn't it in must have been November November hmm. we got the cork through and we've done it someone's tattooed on it and it works absolutely you know completely fine hmm. since then I think we're, we're on his third suit since he wanted that one so I've just <laughs> got to catch up with him and we've just got to put it put it in but I've worked it all out and it, it's all very possible to be to do so um, now he's just got to he's just got to come in and uh sort of decide exactly what he wants and what he wants tattooed on it so right which well, i'm sure which i'm sure he'll do he this, this guy he orders oh he probably orders two suits a month from me uh, he, he, he orders a lot he's got he's always got crazy stuff going on so uh, he's the one um, with the, uh, the pin-up needs, girls on the suits right that yeah that's that's it. right yep. and he's, we're just doing him one with a. we we printed on some fabric and now we're covering it in um I don't know what it's called, like a plasma, plastic, basically. So, like, it would be one of those sort of plastic tablecloths. And then we're um, embroidering um, uh, some rainbows on it with some sequins. And then we're, uh, <laughs> he's, I don't know, he wants some sort of collage of pony fabric sort of sewn on top of it somehow. So we're doing that at the moment. <laughs> it's it's oh, crazy. Man. I don't charge him enough, to be honest, but, yeah. I, but I just enjoy what he comes up with. He sounds like it. he just woke up from a dream and he wrote everything down and then just put yeah. it in an email. The funny, the funny thing is, talking to you, the way it sounds, it all sounds absolutely dreadful. <laughs> you know, but actually, when they're done, what he has done, and they're on him, they actually look quite cool. It's really uh, odd. No, honestly, they sound paper, amazing. It, it shouldn't work on paper what he has done. It just shouldn't. But actually, in reality, it's spot on. And anyway, he. It, it's, it's pure bespoke, isn't it? It's what he wants. You, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not here to, uh, yeah. you know, I'm not here to judge him. <laughs> I'm here to advise him, but yeah. not to judge what he has. And well, you're I making like his it. dreams come true, man. I mean, look, uh, that's right. I can't wait to see the, the finished product. And if people want to go see you and your your products, you're in Spitalfields or just outside of Spitalfields around the corner, aren't you? And that's then... right. Yeah, yeah. Just opposite the, the big urban outfitters there. And uh, down in Brighton as well. But you'll find more information at greshamblake.com yeah. and on the social as well, Gresham Blake. Okay, uh, thanks, Gresham. I wish I could have okay, you on cool. every week. Thanks for taking the time out. Okay, no worries. Okay, it's a pleasure. Bye-bye, mate. Bye -bye. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. Gresham Blake there. And now a word from our sponsor. You look amazing in that suit. I mean, really, wow. Off the charts, great. 
<laughs> it's an unbelievable thing. Wearing this suit actually makes me feel like a better person. I'm gonna buy it. It's $2,400. Are you out of your mind? <clears throat> I'm sorry I was such a saint before, and I'm, I'm such a prick now. But maybe I'm just not the same guy that I was when we got married. You know what? Maybe you're not. Because the Jack Campbell I married would not need a $2,400 suit to feel better about his life. Nicholas Cage there justifying a £2,400 price tag on a suit to a woman that is absolutely rational. Okay, we're going to be moving on now to the last interview of the podcast. We're going to be speaking to Joshua Kane, who also joined us on the very first edition. So this is like a reunion of sorts. Are you ready for this one, Melvin? I'll be quiet. Just let me stay here. No problem. Here is that interview with Joshua Kane. I'd like to introduce to the podcast now, Joshua Kane. How are you doing today, Joshua? I'm good. Thank you very much for having me for, uh, for the second time. Joshua, it's great to have you back. You've moved since we last spoke, haven't you? I, I have indeed. How's it working out for you in Great Portland Street? Great, yeah. We've sort of ventured into the Wild West, so we're uh, in an unfamiliar neighbourhood, um, in unfamiliar surroundings, in a, in a brand new uh, flagship store. Um, and yeah, it's really exciting, to be perfectly honest. It's a new year, new start, um, and, and onwards and upwards. It's a, it's a, it's a concept sort of design um, with um, a little bit of a difference. And uh, yeah, it kind of takes what we were working on before and, and moves the product into a completely new surrounding and, and a, definitely a new postcode. So yeah, very excited. Awesome. And why the move to Great Portland Street from Spitalfields? Um, good question. Um, I've, I loved, we spent two and a half years in Spitalfields. It was amazing. It was, it was a tremendous experience. But the, prior to being there, I was in my studio, I think I mentioned before, in my house in Islington. And that was a natural evolution from the studio into the, uh, the first short store in Brushfield Street. And, and to be perfectly honest, this is just a really lovely natural evolution once more it just it just felt right um a lot of our really great customers and associates are all west end based um so it's kind of sort of making ourselves more accessible uh, a lot, few people have said you know but it's great because you're east and you know it's that's kind of what you're about and i said you know honestly it's kind of not what specifically i'm about you know i'm not i don't want to pigeon myself whole uh, pigeonhole myself just to one singular destination we're also sort of everywhere you know we, we sell online we ship worldwide you know and and i'm of course a little bit of the heart and the soul of the place because everyone likes to come and see me but uh making myself more accessible to to meet and greet new people as well i think is really important uh to help move on my designs and, and showcase everyone's uh, all my hard work as well cool uh, joshua you're open seven days a week is that right uh eight days a week eight days <laughs> 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 I say I have uh, I have uh, I have four different job titles here just uh, just before lunchtime you know I've uh, no I, jokes aside I'm involved in everything and I am here seven days a week um, but I also love it so you know it's it's hard work but uh, to to be the face of it as well and and I, as I said I am really really hands on from meeting and tailoring existing customers the new customers. Um, to working on new visual merchandising on the shop floor with my shop floor team. I kind of like to push everyone. Downstairs, we have our, 
uh, design team, photography team in-house. We do all of our marketing and PR in-house. And I basically flitter between everyone on a day-to-day basis, yeah. probably annoying them, but pushing us, uh, pushing us all forward. Awesome. Joshua, I got you on the podcast today because we're talking about tuxedos and dinner jackets. Um, Great. I liked all of your dinner jackets on your website, which uh, is joshuacainestore.com. That's the one. <laughs> I don't think that's um, And you have the George on there, which I noticed yeah. in particular. Uh, could you just talk us through this one? This one was quite striking. Uh, people head over to the website and have a look at this, but it will also be in the show notes. Just talk us through the design features, please. Yeah, I mean, um, we have a few different options. Uh, the George is our one-button shawl collar, slim-fitting, uh, cropped jacket with a slightly shorter sleeve and a higher armhole. Um, specifically, that's actually one of our core jacket shapes and suit shapes that we've had um, almost since the first collection, and, it, and it's been a real popular one for us. It's just a slightly more modern approach to um, to that sh- uh, that shawl collar dinner suit, having it a little bit shorter, um, and, and then with the shawl collar, it's a slim shawl, um, and some styles have the contrast silk, but we also have some other styles without. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we d- and then then for spring summer seventeen we introduced a peak lapel for this so the SS seventeen collection, um, right. which is actually a little bit longer. So uh, we went sort of a slightly longer, more classic orientated jacket, but still not in classic in terms of tailoring sense. Mm. Um, but yeah, there's, there's this constant evolution, um, and some seasons I'll push things slightly more. Um, fashion direction and some some elements, especially with the last collection, I like to play around with taking more classic silhouettes of a longer jacket and then playing with those proportions to still make them look modern and, uh, and not make them look sort of vintage or anything in uh, in that instance. I see. Joshua, and what do people normally ask you when they're after a dinner jacket or a tuxedo from Joshua Kane? Uh, I just got off the phone to Simon Cundy over at Henry Pool. Uh, they have a great right. tradition, a heritage for the tuxedo. They pretty much invented the tuxedo, I believe. And Tremendous. When yeah. people go to them, they normally go for something very traditional, something very classical, um, non-vented. Uh, I don't want to say rigid, but that's not the right word I'm after. You know, the, But you have to put your own infliction on this, don't you? No, I understand. It's a, yes, there's a real sort of understanding of the, the heritage there. I think... Um, in terms of uh, myself and my sort of design ethos, it's an interesting comparison because we're, um, I sort of respect and love all the traditional elements of, um, of that, but I'm also quite, I, I don't know, I guess I would call myself a modernist in the sense that I want everything to be constantly have this like um, twist or difference or interpretation. Um, and if you'll see from a lot of my collections, they're very much inspired by characters. Um, and characters, I always think, bring clothing to life. So the, the quirks of different personalities that I kind of meet in the walks of my life, I always try then interpret back into the clothes themselves, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, that kind of spice it up each season. I see. So when, um, when are people going to be able to see some new stuff from you, Joshua? Is it in the new collection uh, out February 17th, is it? That's exactly correct. Yeah. So the uh, the next uh, we're calling it production we'll be doing is uh, is February the seventeenth. So that's really uh, 
it's quite a big thing for us, us actually. So since since we've been around, we've always shown in men's collection or London Fashion Week men's, which is now called. Mm-hmm. And then that was, of course, this week ending a few days ago. But for the first time ever uh, for 2017, we're going to be showing uh, parallel to Women's Fashion Week. Um, so yeah, February the this Friday, the February the, the 17th will be uh, my first 50/50 men's and women's tailoring show. So we're very much moving in this year um, towards this more sort of luxury lifestyle element of the the his and hers that we have been doing and has actually been really, really well received from both the shop um, to um, online to customers uh, and also to sort of social media and things and how people have responded to it. Joshua Kane there. I'd like to thank Joshua and all the guests we've had on our show this week. Gresham, Blake, Simon Cundy from Henry Poole, and to you, Melvin, for joining us in the studio. I'm glad we did this. Good talking to you. As am I. And don't forget, lastly, to head over to the website www.menswearstyle.co.uk. But more importantly, do subscribe in iTunes, leave us a comment, keep the pirate ship afloat, and keep me in a job. <laughs>